0: And he will come to judge the living and the dead. I believe in the Holy Spirit, the Holy Catholic Church, the communion of saints, the forgiveness of sins, the resurrection of the body, and the life everlasting. Amen. Good morning, Reading Family Church. It's great to see you. Just if you're new here, we normally have two morning meetings. We've only got one children's group going this morning, those children with additional needs who would find it difficult to be with us through the whole time. So we're not normally this crammed, and so thank you for those of you who are bearing with us. And as Amelia said, we're continuing it in our sermon series, looking at the Apostles' Creed. And this morning, by design, we're looking at that, on the third day, he rose again. Uh, we've declared it all together, a slight ripple of joy uh, in the room. On the third day, he rose again. Thank you, thank you. Because if we stopped this sermon series last week, where Jesus died and descended into Hades, into death, it wouldn't be good news, it would be a tragedy. And, and so we need to recognise that that's not where the story ends, it continues. So the creed continues to today, where we recognize that on the third day, he rose again. And so we're going to look at that this morning, over the next 20 minutes or so, and ask questions like, why was it after three days? He could have been uh, come back to life a week later, or the very next day. Why three? Is there any significance to that? And the fact that he's come back to death, from the dead. Why was that? Why did he need to do that? Surely his work was done on the cross. Why did he need to come back to life? And I'm hoping that by the power of the Holy Spirit, we all leave here, not just with uh, a sense of encouragement, but a sense that the Holy Spirit has illuminated gospel truth to us in the room, to those of you who are online now and on catch up later, that we would be a people who know what we believe and why it's important. That for the last 1,000 or 2,000 odd years, believers like us have gathered together in the name of Jesus, across our differences, exalted Christ, and we know why. And we've learned from those who have gone before us. So the first, let me pray. I feel delightedly jumbled up in Christ. And I was singing my songs and then realizing I've got to think, Holy Spirit. Uh, we want to be familiar with your activity not just in our heads but in our hearts animating our souls our spirits our emotions to wonderful news regardless of our circumstances the disappointment or joy the hopes or setbacks that we are feeling this morning we want gospel truth to penetrate our hearts and give us a joy that only you can give that's what you do holy spirit come and illuminate truth to us this morning in Jesus' mighty name. So this morning, first of all, we're going to look at a signpost, why on the third day? Why three days? And first of all, I just want to give you a a quick heads up. Uh, Any of you familiar with the first few chapters of the Bible, the book of Genesis? In Genesis chapter one, we get this refrain starting on third day. Just give you a, a quick heads up to that. First of all, let's think about creation's first Third day. So the very first third day. This is by way of introduction. You see this signpost through the Bible. Genesis 1, verse 11 says this Then God said, Let the land sprout with vegetation, every sort of seed bearing plant and trees that grow seed bearing fruit. These seeds will then produce the kinds of plants and trees from which they came. And that is what happened. So right at the beginning of the creation story, on the third day, God spoke to the dust of the ground. He said, that which is nothing, come forth with seeds and fruit of your own kind. And come forth and populate the whole earth for the good of the earth and for God's glory. So the very first third day of creation, we see God speaking to the ground and life coming forth that blesses the world and the nations ultimately. On the second third day, we get the same refrain. We see this in Genesis 28. Genesis 1:28 then God blessed them and said be fruitful and multiply fill the earth and govern it Reign over the fish in the sea and the birds in the sky, and were all the animals that scurry along the ground. And evening passed and morning came, marking the sixth day. So on the sixth day, God created animals, but more importantly, He created those made in His own image, male and female. He called them from what? The dust of the ground to come forth, and they're to go and to rule and reign and to populate the earth. Why? For the good of the earth, yes, but also for the glory of God. That the nations of the earth would acknowledge him. He speaks to the dust, and life comes forth out of death. So we see right at the very beginning of the Bible, we've got this the refrain. And all through the Old Testament, or we now call it, we see there's this motif, this signpost. Whenever we see three days, we have this same activity, that God takes the initiative, that God speaks either to the dust of the ground or to that which is not, and it comes forth, but it comes forth for the good of the world and for the blessings of the nations and for the glory of God ultimately. And we see that works all the way through. We see this. Of Abraham on his third day on Mount Moriah. Genesis 22, 3-4 says this. The next morning, Abraham got up early. He saddled his donkey and took two of his servants with him, along with his son Isaac. Then he chopped wood for a fire for a burnt offering, and set out for the place God had told him about. Here we are. Here's the signpost. The third day of their journey... Abraham looked up and he saw the place in the distance so on the third day he sees up he goes onto Mount Moriah and then he lifts a knife many of us know how the story ends but God provides a lamb and so from a place of death a substitute is provided, and we know, because we know how the story ends, that Isaac's returned, and then all the nations of the world are blessed through Abraham, and out of nothing. He got his son back from the dead. We think, oh, wow, that was on the third day. There's a signpost. God is taking the initiative. He's bringing something out of nothing. On Israel's third day, on Mount Sinai, Exodus 19.11, Be sure, this is God speaking to Moses, be sure that they are ready on the third day. For on that day, the Lord's going to come down from Mount Sinai and to be with all the people as they watch. And so God, having rescued his people out of slavery, they're like ex-slave exiles, and now gathering together, and God comes down, takes the initiative, is amongst his people. Once they were just a, a ragtag bunch, now they're a nation, and God is their God, and he's made a covenant to be with it. And through them, all the nations of the world are going to be blessed, and he is going to be glorified. He speaks to that which was not, and now that they are a nation, and God is their God. On the third day, it keeps giving. Jonah's Third day, Jonah is called by God to travel east to Nineveh. He rebels and he goes west towards Tarshish. Incredibly, a, sw- a fish swallows him. Jonah 1 verse 17, now the Lord had arranged for a great fish to swallow Jonah. And Jonah was inside the fish for three days and three nights. So Jonah fails to obey God and experiences like a death in an unlikely tomb, a very large fish. This fish vomits him out. And then from this place of death, because God has taken initiative, Jonah goes and proclaims to the people of Nineveh, and 120,000 people are saved from a place of death. And now they turn and they repent, and God is glorified. Isn't that good news? Jesus picks this up, but then he talks about Jonah for himself. Jesus' third day, Luke 9 22, The Son of Man must suffer many terrible things. He said, He will be rejected by the elders, the leading priests, and the teachers of religious law, and he will be killed. But on the third day, he will be raised from the dead. In fact, Jesus, it's recorded 21 times in the gospel, he talks to the third day. That wasn't random. There was this motive. If you've been born in the first century and you were Jewish, you would know that the third day is a signpost. It is telling you that God is going to take the initiative. God is going to call out of the dust of the ground of where there is nothing into something. And that something was for the blessing of the world and the nations, but ultimately for the glory of God. So Jesus, you know, 21 times talks about the third day. Can you see what's happening here? Can you see what's happening here? And on what day did Jesus rise from the dead? The third, the third day. Can you see the connection? Can you see why the Apostles' Creed has picked it up with such a significant moment? God takes the initiative. God brings life out of death. Something out of nothing. And he does it for the good of the world, the blessing of the nations. Look around, the nations are amongst us. Because the third day was always a signpost. God was going to do this. And so as we look at the Apostles' group, we realize that on the third day, what happened? He rose from the dead. Why did he have to come back from the dead? Surely the job was done. Could they not write a letter? Yeah. Hey, I'm not here anymore. I'm in heaven. See you ahead. In the wisdom of God, he decided that what we needed was a very public demonstration of what has happened spiritually in the physical domain. It was not something that was going to be hidden away. 500 plus people saw the risen Lord Jesus Christ. There could be no doubt about it. So in the wisdom of God, he rose again on the third day. On a to remind us of the, just one of the many achievements that we can see of what happened at the cross event, the, the death, and then the resurrection. When Jesus was resurrected and seen, he was undisputably Jesus as the Son of God. Romans 1 verse 4 says this, And he was shown to be the Son of God when he was raised from the dead, By the power of the Holy Spirit, he is. He is Christ our Lord. In a few weeks' time, I'm told, there's going to be something called the FA Cup final. not too interested in football myself. But what will inevitably happen, you'll have some old footballers, some pundits, deciding who man of the match is. And unless it's a West Ham player, Scott isn't going to agree with them. And then you'll have other pundits arguing amongst themselves, who is man of the match? And we all know, those of us who don't really care, but only watching it because other people in the room, it's important to them, you're never really going to resolve who a man of the match is because their criteria is either because they're ex-England players or they're West Ham players or not West Ham players. And then whether it's English premiership or whether it's apparently the African nations are emerging as strong footballing talent, is that right? There's a few people care about that. So actually, in the world of football, you cannot really know and agree who is going to be the man of the match or the most valuable player for any football team because the criteria is always different, and everyone can trump everyone else. I just want to say this morning, Jesus is not like that. If you want to know who the man of the match is, the most valuable player in humanity, then the creator of humanity gets to call that, and by raising him from the dead, he has stood him out supremely as the son of God. He is the man of the match, the most valuable player, and he never played for West Ham. I'm just saying, when he rose from the dead, God was saying, this is my son. I have raised him from the dead by the power of the Holy Spirit. He is Jesus. Title the Christ, our Lord. That is good news. We know that is true because he rose from the dead. It was also a demonstration of his victory over death. Acts 2, 24 tells us this. But God released him from the horrors of death. We explored that briefly last week as Christ descended into death, into Hades. What that cost him from the horrors of death, and was raised back to life. For death could not keep him in its grip. Death could not keep him in its grip. Now to understand, so was it like this massive tug of war going on? Listen, imagine if you will, it's army versus navy tug of war. Huge units on either side. And you don't know the outcome. I'm from a Navy town, clearly the Navy. But you don't know the outcome, you've got to let it play out. This is not like this. When death couldn't hold its grip on it, imagine this. It's Sunday afternoon in Family Green's house. It's the Easter egg treasure hunt. I'm a Cadbury's boy. There's Cadbury's in the garden. This afternoon we have a three-year-old in our garden. Sahara, Josh and Sonia, this will be your moment later. When Sahara finds the wrong egg, that's mine. <laughs> Candy from a baby. She's lost a grip on Cadbury's. There is no competition. Spoiler alert, prepare her. The Bible says this. Death could not keep him in its grip. No claim. It's candy from a baby. It's not army, navy. That's good news. We know that is true. Death had no claim on him. The wages of sin is death. No claim on Jesus is up. And just to say, this is important for us. This is resurrection, not resuscitation. 1 Corinthians 15, 42 in the same way, it is the same way with the resurrection of the dead. Our earthly bodies are planted in the ground when we die, but they will be raised to live forever. Just want to say, because this helps us later, there's a huge difference between resurrection and resuscitation or reanimation of a body. Resurrection refers to putting on a new Glorified body. That's what the followers of Jesus were encountering from Easter Sunday onwards. Whilst reanimation or res- resuscitation, that's referring when you raise someone in their old mortal body. In which that they would later die again. So we know that Lazarus, as wondrous as that was. And the widow of Nain's son and Dorcas and Jairus' daughter all of those individuals who were reanimated, who were resuscitated, had to die again in their bodies. Jesus didn't die again, and his body will be our bodies, and that is good news for us. When we see him walking around in his resurrected body, he is known as a first fruits. We'll talk about that later. For all of us, his body will be like ours, he is raised from the dead. So we have great hope. And largely, just to move on quickly now, therefore this is good news. This is good news for us. Why is this good news? Well, it's good news because of our union with Christ. We have a union, with, we have communion, yes, we have fellowship, we have friendship with God, that's our communion, and sometimes we feel closer to God, other times less so because of our feelings, but actually we don't just have communion with God, we have union with Him. Uh, We have this cast iron bond with Christ Jesus now. In fact, we're so associated with Christ Jesus, it's as if we are hidden in Him. It's as if he is literally, we are literally in him. So when God the Father looks upon Christ, because we are so associated with Christ, we're indivisible from Christ, we're in Christ, he sees us being in Christ. That is good news for us. Because this union is unbreakable. It is an unbreakable cast iron guaranteed. We are now in Christ. Imagine if you will, and this would—I think this would be tragic—if I got a heart attack right now and collapsed, my heart just stopped. I collapsed because my heart has died. I stopped in front of all of you. We know it'd be ludicrous if my big toe was complaining. Say, I've not had a big toe attack. Wh- wh- why do I have to die now? Why is rigor mortis setting in on me? I mean, it'd be ludicrous. No, the heart has died. It stopped. But then someone has found a defibrillator in the building, and they've run in and got the pads, and they put the pads on my chest. Boof, and then my heart starts again. And then, and then I come around. And, and then my big toe is suddenly dead chuffed that he's in me, because my big toe's done nothing. But the heart, I started beating again, and there's life in my body, and I'm jumping around praising God, and everyone in the room, we knew that we're Pentecostals, it wasn't the defibrillator, it was the prayers of a righteous man, and we're all jumping around. This is amazing Easter Sunday, but my big toe died because my heart stopped, My big toe is alive again because it's part of my body. My body, because of the defibrillator and, I guess, David Motsambali's prayers have have reanimated my body. But my big toe is part of my body, and it's indivisible. It's part of me. We are in Christ Jesus. What happens to him happens to us. So when we suffer, of course, Christ suffered. But when he's raised from the dead, so too will we be. That is good news for us. This is good news because it guarantees our forgiveness and our justification. Romans 4.25. He was handed over to die because of our sins. And he was raised to life. He was raised to life to make us right with God. You know, you can be forgiven for things you've done wrong. But it's way better when you're justified. When you're not just forgiven, but the guilt is removed when what's happened is remembered no more. You know when you drive your car in a new area, let's say, and let's say you're going to your daughter's wedding, and, and, you, get, and you get caught speeding? <laughs> hypothetically, <laughs> and then two, you know, 10 days later, you get that envelope, and you don't understand why, then suddenly, it's either you know three points, or do the speed awareness course. Many of you, I don't know what I'm talking about, I know. And then you do the speed awareness course, and then suddenly I've no longer got three points on my license. The penalty for it is gone. I'm wonderful. I still know, I still know there's a photograph, potentially of a car like mine, (laughs) on a server with a checkbox saying, we've got another 15 months before I'm fully off the hook. Because there's still that guilt. I've paid the penalty, but there's still guilt. Can you imagine if someone deleted the photo and unchecked the box? That's a little bit like... We're not just forgiven. God chooses to remember no more our shame. And so you can go home like I did this morning, and I, I just, great, I did an audit of all my sins the last 24 hours, took a little while, did my audit, and said, so, there's no guilt, there's no shame. I can come to God the Father clean as, clean as, clean as. Our union with Christ, his it's good news because his resurrection demonstrates, it guarantees our forgiveness and justification because it guarantees our future resurrection. 1 Corinthians 15 23. But there is an order to this resurrection. There's an order. That's what we're seeing. Christ was raised as the first of the harvest. Then all who belong to Christ will be raised when he comes back. Can I have an amen to that? We we'll say this again. 1 Corinthians 15:23 but there is an order to this resurrection Christ was raised as the first of the harvest then all who belong to Christ will be raised when he comes back Many of us haven't grown up around farming. And so this whole idea of, I'm told they do this at Henley where there's vineyards. They just take the first few grapes of the season. And the taste of those grapes will help them know what the rest of the grapes, almost what the vintage is going to be. It's going to be a good year or the bad year. That's what I'm told, the first fruits, But for many of us, that means less. But I just want to say to you, for Jesus' resurrection and our resurrection, it's just like, because we don't really understand farming as well. You know when you're at home and then you see that flash of light, and it lights up the room, and what do you do? You start counting, because you've seen lightning. One, two, three, four, five, six. The thunder comes, isn't it? And then there's another flash of light. One, two, three. It's getting closer. Jesus' resurrection is like the lightning. And the thunder is our resurrection. You know, he has been raised from the dead. You sure as the thunder follows the lightning, so too will our resurrection. There'll be like this big thunder and all of us will raise in Christ. We've seen the lightning. We're, we're celebrating the lightning this morning. We've seen it, but now we hear the thunder. The saints are being raised. So first those who have died in Christ, then those who are alive in Christ. We're going to be caught up with him into the clouds, into the glory. It is sure as that. It guarantees our future resurrection. Because he was raised from the dead, so will we. He is the first fruits of a great harvest, which is all of us who've believed in Christ Jesus. Not just in this room, of course, but across the nations today and through history for thousands of years. That is what Easter Sunday is demonstrating to us. So friends, sisters, brothers, in summary, the third day is a signpost. It's telling us that God is taking the initiative. He's creating something new, bringing new life out of the dust, out of death, out of nothing to come into the world, to bless the world for the glory of God. It's a public demonstration that Jesus is the Son of God, that his victory over death, his resurrection is for all of us, and it is good news. Because we all have, through faith in Jesus Christ, and that a gift, through faith in Jesus, we have an unbreakable union with Christ. It is a cast iron guarantee that will take you to your death, and through the death of your body, and into everlasting life with Christ. We can be sure and certain that we have a right standing before God, because Christ rose from the dead it's good news so if you're able to please would you stand band come back we are going to sing about the hero from heaven he has come he is amongst us and he will come again but today we're going to celebrate not his second coming but his resurrection from the dead